Hey church family, I can't wait today to talk with you about what God has shown his church ever since Jesus was on the top of the mountain some 2,000 years ago. And when this church was built underneath the steeple, if you want to look up here to the right, we have in our church facing the street a stained glass window that has written on it the words out of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus's great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so today we're going to talk about God's call on our life, not just for the last 150 years, but for the last 2,000 years. And God's call on our lives, not just for the next 150 years, but for the foreseeable future until Jesus comes back. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up with us to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to see what Jesus has for his church. Have you ever felt bored with church? Like, you ever thought, really, God, is this all there is? I've had seasons in my life, actually a few as I was prepping this week to share with you that I, I, I was thinking back on where, not that I didn't believe that Jesus came and saved the world, but like really God, is this all that you have? Like what, what's the purpose? And as I look back on those seasons, uh, maybe, maybe you have kind of been taught that the purpose of church is really this, it's to come and listen. Maybe, maybe that's what you've, you've been taught, and, and it's not bad to come and listen, uh, it's, it's I need to be reminded every week of what Jesus has done for me, I'm prone to forget, but is that really where the purpose of the church ends, to, like to come and listen? Or does God have a greater purpose for the church? Now, when I say church, uh, I want to get a little more specific. Again, you might just be new and you're not even part of our church. You know that the building is important. Uh, People have sacrificed in the history of this place to put these buildings on the ground. But it's important so that the people who are the church can gather And so when I really say, what's the purpose of the church, it's really the purpose, if you're a follower of Jesus, of your life. You ever been bored with your faith? Is the purpose of your faith just to come and listen? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, has come to the world to save us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He, he, he taught that the kingdom had come and that he was the king and he was God. And because he was teaching that, the religious leaders killed him for that, publicly crucified him. And then three days later, he rose again, proving that what he was saying about himself was actually true. And he appeared to a whole bunch of people that you can look at history. They actually went to the grave believing he was God's son and that he rose again. At one point, he appeared to over 500 people together at once. There's not like group hallucinations like that. But was everyone saved? 
when, when Jesus died on the cross, like he took the penalty that we deserve, and then he left. Are you bored with your faith? I want you to see what Jesus said before he left. Stand with me. We're going to start reading the end of Matthew chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Jesus told them, I want you to go there, I'm going to show up, and I want you to listen. All right, I guess that's the purpose, right? When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even for the next 150 years to the end of the age. Pray with me. I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to get on your knees to do that. Move from your feet to your knees. If you can't get on your knees, that's fine. You just sit down right there in the pew. Let's pray here together for a moment. Father, we thank you for the way that you've worked in the history of this church. And God, I pray that we would not get our eyes off of the purpose that you have for the church and we recognize we are the church. I'm gonna invite you right now to ask the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to speak into your life and to remind you of your calling, your purpose, if you're a follower of Jesus. Pray for me that my words would be clear, that the Holy Spirit would empower me to do what I can't on my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you bored with your faith? Jesus, starting in verse 16, before he left us, Now when I say leftist, that's relative. He's with us always. But his physical body went up into heaven. He said these words. Let's read the intro, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Again, it appeared to him many people alive during the time, teaching them about the kingdom of God, Acts tells us. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they, what? Worshipped him, but some doubted. Interestingly, the original audience for this great mission that Jesus is going to give his followers was, I believe, much like the audience in this room today. Uh, Some of you just got to worship Jesus and, and it was powerful for you and you were celebrating the greatness of our God in this room and you were remembering what Jesus has done on the cross for you and you were worshiping him. Some of you in this room, we're so glad you're here, some of you in this room are doubting. 
Some of you in this room are thinking, hey, really, this has been like 2,000 years of people just thinking their life has changed, and I don't, I don't know that this is the real deal. We're so glad you're here. Jesus spoke these words to an audience that had both kinds of people, worshipers and doubters. Here's what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority did Jesus get? All authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority do we have? Not zero. Now, so, uh, yeah, I've gotten to teach this passage actually twice since I've been in the church. One was my first Sunday here, and it's not just me that's taught this passage in our church. You need to know that. I got this last week to Mark Presley found the first Sunday that our church was ever worshiping in this sanctuary, and I listened to Dr. Puckett, Edna's still in our church, his, his wife, widow, Dr. Puckett's no longer with us. Dr. Puckett's message included in it the Great Commission that's on that window outside of our building, right? But as, as, as I look at the beginning of the Great Commission, I think it's, it's, it's something that we sometimes don't stop on when Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And when we really look at our lives, we know Jesus is supposed to be in charge, but we really don't want him to be in charge. And so we actually kind of stay in our own driver's seat, don't we? You know what happens when you continue to drive? Your faith is boring. Your faith is selfish. I want to invite you this morning to put Jesus in the driver's seat. He's really already in the driver's seat of all creation. Maybe you're pushing him out. If you put him in the driver's seat of your life, your faith is not going to be boring. The God of the universe has a mission for you. And look what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Put him in the driver's seat. Here's what he says. Come and listen. Is that what he says? Now again, he's speaking to an audience that he had said to come and listen. And we need to be reminded. That's why we gather as a church. We are prone to forget. We need to be reminded that he loves us and he sent his son to die for us. And we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But we also need to be sent out like he is sending out his followers Right now, it's not just come and listen. He's going to give them a mission. And it, it, as if, if you're taking notes today, I kind of want to just talk through those two things. It's not just come and listen. It's live on mission. If your faith is boring, maybe you are not really taking the next step to say, I recognize if Jesus is in the driver's seat of my life, that he wants me to live on mission for him. I believe the reason our church is still here after 150 years is there are shoulders that we stand on in this room who have believed that God has sent them on mission and not only believed it, they have lived it for 150 years in our community and we get to be part of the fruit of their lives. Not just come and listen, live on mission. What is his mission? He says, go therefore, the imperative command in the Great Commission is to make what? disciples. So what is our mission? Our mission is to make disciples. Now what is a disciple? Uh, that's a, like a very churchy word. Uh, the reason we continue to use it even in our own mission statement is because there's not really another good word to put in its place. A disciple at the time of Jesus was not just someone that would come and listen. A disciple at the time of Jesus was someone who was trying to mimic the lifestyle 
of their rabbi. It wasn't just information that they were after. They were really after transformation. And so their rabbi became an example for them, and they would follow in their rabbi's footsteps. And that's why Jesus, when he called his disciples, he said, follow me, and I will do what? I will make you what? Fishers of men. Even from the very beginning, he was wanting disciples who would make disciples. Fish for men who live in love like Jesus. He says, I have a plan for you. I want to make disciples. Our church has done this, again, not because of me. I've only been here five years. We're talking about 150 years. I want to introduce you to a disciple in our church. If you don't know her already, her name is Miss Frances Lawrence. Watch this clip. My name is Frances Lawrence, and I've been a part of this church since the 1920s. I've been a part of this church for a long time. And I've enjoyed every bit of it. I fell in love with this church. And I uh, was in the primary department, and Dr. Cosette came down one day, and uh, a lot of the children made professions of faith. And I wanted to, but I was just scared. And. Uh, one of the ladies came over and talked to me and made me understand. And certainly I wanted to be a child of God. I am so pleased that you can go to my, my church. And uh, I have been here so long and I feel like that the way you are acting that you love the church and that you will be here a long time. So don't let me down. I can go to Jesus when I can't go to anybody else. I can tell him things I can't tell anybody else. So there's a lot of reasons why I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he first loved me. Did y'all hear the words that she said? I, I, I feel like that by the way you are acting, that you love the church and you will be here for a long time. So don't let me down. Did y'all hear those words? Francis Lawrence's great-grandchildren were leading us in worship just a minute ago. Millie helped start the song about Christ right over here, her grandson John, great-grandson John, playing on the bass. God has given us a mission. It's more than come and listen. It's to live on mission, to make disciples that live in love like Jesus, Maybe you think, okay, I've heard this before many times, and Sam, that sounds boring. You don't understand what Jesus is calling you to. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you up to it here for a second, but uh, how do you know if you're making disciples? I'll just ask the question, how do you know? Well, Jesus, there's one imperative, it's make disciples. If you study syntax and you've been to school recently, you're not smarter than a sixth grader. I don't know if there's a show about that, right? There's actually three participles that, that describe what is happening in a disciples maker's life when they are making disciples. Now, the first is they're going. That's actually a participle. It's not a command. It's something that's happening in their life when they make disciples. They're baptizing and they're teaching. Our staff, about four years ago, we had a, a retreat where we were talking about, well, if our goal is to make disciples, how do we know that we are measuring the right thing? How do we, how do we know that we're actually counting because you're going to go for your, what you're measuring? And so we decided, well, let's measure going baptizing and teaching because Jesus said that those three things are going to happen if we're making disciples. And so here's what I want to ask you to do because you actually are the church. I want to ask you to ask yourself if making disciples is what God has called you to, church, are you going baptizing? Here's, so let's walk through them real quick. He says, go therefore. Go therefore. If we're going to measure engagement in this great commission, and that's actually, we still measure attendance in our church, but we want to measure engagement in the commission over attendance. We want to measure people who are serving Jesus. Now that's not just inside the walls of our church. Yesterday we went and we served with community partners because we want to connect people to community partners. The win of yesterday was not just taking a Facebook pic. The win of yesterday was hopefully connecting people in to serving opportunities in our city. We go on mission trips to hope, open people's eyes to see other opportunities to go and serve. It doesn't need to be in our church with one of our ministry partners, but the question I ask you is, can you say, here's how I'm serving the Great Commission? If you can't, we would love to help you do that. I'm gonna give you several practical, just really practical steps you could take with us as a church. Next week, we're doing a Discover First class. We have over 50 adults already signed up to be part of this class, but in that Discover First class, we're going to talk about the Great Commission, and we're going to connect people to opportunities to use their gifts. Maybe that's something you need to do. You can text NEXT to 96123 if you want more information. Go. In your life, do you see where... I, I see people who are bored in their faith, and when I see people who are bored in their faith, it's usually because... They're not active in their faith. They're, they're not stepping into ministry opportunities that God is giving them. And I, I have, I have talked to people that have said, hey, I'm just waiting for this, this divine light to shine down and say, here's what I want you to do. And so then they, they live their life and stop. Stop is boring. It's also disobedient to the Great Commission. <laughs> He said, disciple makers are going to be going. So if you're not going, do something good. Go. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations, the word ethnos, all ethnicities, not just people that look like us. Everybody is in part of the kingdom of God. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And he says, baptizing them. Next, participle, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, what is Baptism. Baptism is the outward sign of what happens in someone's life when they're showing the world in obedience to Jesus that they have believed in him. They've repented of their sin and they're following Christ and they want the world to know he's my king now. That's what baptism is. 
Well, how do you count baptism? Well, you count people that make profession of faith and are baptized. That's, well, how do we get more of that? We get more of that when we step into the Great Commission and we start sharing our faith. Yesterday, I was part of a group that was with Grace to Go, and we were making food and cleaning supplies, and we were taking it to an apartment in our community that in, in, in need. And we were asking, hey, how can we pray for you when someone would come to the door, and we pray for them, we bring them the food and the veggies, and then thinking about, like our church, our strategy, meet needs, build relationships, share Jesus, teach obedience. If your faith is boring, I bet it's because on some level, you're not having the faith conversations that God is giving you opportunities to have. In my own life, when I've backed away from those, my faith starts getting boring. When I step into those, it is the opposite of boring. Like butterflies all the time. If you don't know how to share your faith, again, just tangible, practical step. This next week on Wednesday night, we're starting evangelism training this fall. We've done this in our church before, but we have Ross Ramsey actually coming to train in our church people to share their faith. And then we're actually going to go into what we call the harvest, and we're going to share our faith in our community so that we can exercise what does it look like for us to lead people to say yes to Jesus so they can be baptized. You might think, okay, what do you mean? Like, I, that sounds forceful. I'm, he came and he trained our staff several years ago. I shared the story in more detail uh, before in a sermon, but when, when, when he came and shared with our staff, I was like, oh, butterflies, here we go. We go out. I'm with a few other people knocking on doors in our community, and I got to see that afternoon God use us to lead two people to faith in Christ that were saved by grace. That's Luya. That, was that a boring afternoon in my life? Absolutely not. God has a mission for you that's more than come and listen. It's to live on mission. He says I, I, the people who are making disciples are going, they're baptizing, and then their last one here, teaching people to Obey, the ESV uses the word observe, NIV uses obey, all that I've commanded you. What does your life look like if you're making disciples? Again, you're, you're on mission, you realize I'm going, I'm serving, I'm sharing my faith, and not just sharing my faith, I'm teaching people to obey what Jesus has called them to. In our church, we want to measure people that are making disciples. That's why we did a survey earlier this spring asking, are you making disciples? Are you disciple making? And 300 plus of you said you were, we asked to list names. Some of you listed family members' names, some life group. That's great. We need to start making disciples in our home. We believe we can disciple in life groups. When we got down to reproducing discipleship groups, we had 115 of you that were listing names of people you were leading in a reproducing discipleship group way, and that's awesome. Why am I throwing out those numbers? That's more important numbers to us than attendance. Why? History of our church. We have great commission in mind. And the Great Commission is not come and listen, it's to live on mission. Now some of you are thinking, Sam, that's great for all these, you're the pastor. I want you to see what Jesus says as he closes the Great Commission here. He says, and behold, this is for the very important spiritual leaders only, to the end of the eight, no. And behold, this will be easy. Is that what he says? No. The most important spiritual leader is going to be with you. The reason he is going to be with you is he knows it's going to be hard. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Today is September what? September 11th. September 11th changed my life. That day was not boring. Tragic day, right, in the history of our country. Y'all remember watching? I want to show you a picture here. These are the lights that they'll turn on tonight from dusk till dawn. These are the September 11th memorial lights that are to symbolize where the Twin Towers were in New York City. In our church, we have a man who was one of the first responders on September 11th in New York City. Some of you have, have met him, Gus Kabarkas. He's one of those that lived to tell the story. But may, maybe you remember, maybe you remember watching it play out when the, the, the planes hit the building, the buildings were on fire, and people are running for their life from the building. And then there are these first responders that are being sent towards the, y'all remember watching this? The first responders going into the tragedy, the burning buildings to rescue people. And they rescued many, but not all. And many of the first responders died in the process. Hey church, if you're bored in your faith, maybe you don't understand what the Great Commission's about. I'll I'll show you another picture here. This is a rendering of the future church. Now, I don't know what the future church is going to look like in 150 years. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know what, if if the church exists in 150 years, I know what it's going to be about. Y'all recognize that the world right now is burning? If you're bored in your faith, maybe you don't understand that God's plan to save the world is to send his followers on a mission into those burning buildings. And to say, hey, there's a way for you to be saved and for your life to be transformed from the inside out. God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin so that you and I can have access to him. There's a real king. There's a real kingdom. If you repent, believe, and follow him, you and I can be saved from this forever. Jesus has said the building's going to fall down. And some of us are going to die in the process. If you're bored in your faith, you haven't read the Great Commission recently. And here's what I want you to know, church, that our church still exists because when you cut our church, our church bleeds the Great Commission. And our church, if you're going to go with me, we are going to go into the world, right, with the mission that Jesus has for us. And we're going to bring the hope of the gospel. And if he doesn't come back before we leave the building, there's going to be someone else out there that's going to be with us forever with him. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you bored in your faith? I want you to pray with me real quick. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. I'm going to invite you right now to say, God, I want you to launch me on mission. I I don't know which one of those those participles that that really shocks you a little bit. Are, Are you living in stop? Is it God's calling you to go? Are you... 
mindlessly scrolling social media at times when God can be using you on mission? Are you, uh, are you Netflix binging and you think your life is boring and it's not because God doesn't call you to something else? Are, are you addicted to video games and, and there's an, a more exciting game that God wants to live in reality through your life right now? I want, you to, I want to invite you to say, God, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Who is it you know that doesn't know Jesus? I want you to invite him to let your mouth be part of what he would use so that they could be baptized. Move from death to life. And then for me in my life, the most exciting thing that I get to be part of is leading and watching in relationship other men who lead other men, who lead other men to follow Jesus. What would it look like for you to say, yes, Lord, teach me to disciple others? God, we, we pray. God, thank you again. Thank you for the history, the, 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 the shoulders we stand on. God, lead us forward. May we not drop the baton, but lead forward on the mission you've called us to. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.